Hey, before we kick off the episode, I'd like to let you know that nothing Sam and I say during our series on investing should be seen as investment advice. Each person has a different financial situation, and what makes sense for Sam or me might not, and probably will not, make sense for you. We are not financial advisors, and you should do your own research before making any investment. Know that all investment strategies and investments involve risk of loss, and always remember that if it sounds too good to be true, it is probably not true. Please enjoy the rest of the show. This is the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Your hosts, Sam Harris and Nicholas Farik, digest the most interesting, informative and topical books, giving you their biggest insights. We expose different perspectives and tools to look at the world to make you wiser than yesterday. listener and welcome to the wiser than yesterday podcast my name is nico and as usual i'm joined by my good friend and co-host sam and today we're recapping this season of investing we've done 11 episodes until now this is the 12th and this is going to be our final about the season in this episode we're going to be giving you and sharing with you our top three books slash episodes because some of the episodes we actually didn't read a book because they don't really exist because we're that cutting edge in our thoughts. And then afterwards, Sam and I will be sharing our general thoughts and learnings on investing and what we took away from the books that we read. How's it going, Sam? It's going good. I am very pleased to be showcasing how edgy we are with our uh, off off book topics, which were mm-hmm. which were really enlightening, actually. I have written my top three forgetting about those books, so I'm not sure if I'm just going like, to shove like more into my top three than than just three who knows it'll come out in the episode but i'm looking forward to this because it's been a really good season that we're both excited to do and Mm -hmm. everything was really interesting even the one book that was terrible was sort of interesting (laughs) from (laughs) how we learned overall from it so yeah money it's a big topic what you do with it um i think it's shaped my opinions a bit differently and i'm feeling much more confident about the years going forwards. I think before we did this, I was like, yeah, <laughs> throwing money at different things. And I think it's working out and actually sort of took a lot more stock of stuff. I was like, oh, I'm doing a kind of good job. It's nice. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. hopefully listeners have learned something and uh, this episode will help guide them on where to go back to or just remind them of the best best parts. Yeah, the series was useful for me to kind of summarize my thoughts on investing and I felt like I have a cleaner grasp on explaining why I think investing is very important Mm. and how you should approach it and how you should look at it depending on who you are like how old you are but also what your risk tolerance is etc so should we dive to the top three and start Mm. with our third best favorite book from this season sure go ahead man so mine was talking to my daughter about the economy interesting it was very digestible I really like the stories it had some references to the Matrix and and gave a good overview to how the world works and a better idea of what value is and exchange. And I think it's a good setup to things like the Valmanac and stuff of like what is useful and what are like the things in life that you can't buy that are also mm-hmm. important to value as well, which was good. And then just giving you a much broader picture outside of, okay, so you'll understand like the business area that you are in, but like more largely like how do countries work and why do some things go up and down and stuff and so i thought it was just a really useful entry for framing 
the general series and money and stuff but then shout out to the episode just before that where you gen- gave your general philosophy on economics and, and how the world works which is also actually very similar and good so mm-hmm. we started off well i, I liked like what we started <laughs> with with this with this series yeah interesting i find that the book not super memorable it seems mm. that book so i don't have it in my, my my top three it's just i don't know maybe because i have my own philosophy and i didn't find it aligning enough with yeah. mine or something i think i'm, <laughs> I'm also swayed by it. it was like the first book i read on that so like you mm. know when you read something it's, it's like i still remember it kind of enlightening me more even though when i actually read it the second time i wasn't like oh god damn as much if that makes sense mm-hmm. when you've read lots of books it's sort of so there maybe are other books that are just as good, but if I read it now, I'd be like, yeah, well, you know, I've probably heard all these things already, mm. um, especially reading all of like Sapiens and other things that also kind of frame the world and the Bitcoin standard as well that sort of gives you the whole history of money and how that kind of works. Mm. But this one I read beforehand, so it still somehow internally feels better. That's fair, yeah. Cool. So for me, my number three is actually shared. I find it very hard to choose. And so it is, on one hand, the education of a value investor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just really enjoyed that book. It's a good read. It's a nice read. And it has some like personal tricks in it mm. and teaches you the value of compounding and understanding yourself and putting yourself in the best situation possible to be the best you can be, basically. Mm. I found it was good for not comparing yourself in the wrong ways around sort of also, like Warren Buffett versus like the guy that sort of had better results, but only over 30 years kind of thing. Mm. And being like, actually, yeah. I don't need to like tear myself apart for not being Warren Buffett. I'm not probably going to be investing for 75 years perhaps he has an addiction problem and needs to do something else with his life and chill out because lots of too much money anyway your other number three which um... my other number three is the bitcoin standard so basically i studied uh, economics in um, at university and we were always taught that inflation is necessary for a well-functioning economy and so this book taught me that that's not necessarily the case and i think that's that might be one of the major like two camps mm. moving forward in the world. Like you have on one hand people who are like, we need to have inflation. The other camp would be, no, th- these are the Austrian economists. And they would say that, no, you don't necessarily need to have a growing money supply to be able to incentivize people to spend more, which will drive up the economy and boost productivity, etc. And so this book, I think, gives a very good case for Austrian economics. And in general, I also have to thank it for shaping my thoughts around cryptocurrencies and the potential of them been helpful for me on a financial point of view mm, definitely yeah it was a really really good book and um mm-hmm. i have a, a little fomo for it not being in my top three even though this is ridiculous because <laughs> it doesn't really matter um, fomo for top three <laughs> yeah <laughs> damn it <laughs> people might not agree with my thoughts anymore oh yeah, yeah. Crikey. Right. cool number two for me the navalmanac or mm. almanac of naval ravikant yeah i just really like the way it framed the sort of different steps you should go through of get wealthy first, then address existential happiness and philosophy and who you are in the world and ideally try and do it in like the fastest and the most enjoyable way as you can. And everything was just a nugget of wisdom in the whole book. And I feel like it's a book I could reread many times and would recommend to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yes. On my number two, The Psychology of Money. which was an incredibly enjoyable read. Um, I kind of took away a lot of things from it. Yeah. Although I I won't, if you would have asked me before, I probably would have said that I don't expect to learn a lot from this, but um, I actually did. Yeah. It's 
it doesn't look at investing from a rational point of view. It looks at investing from a human point of view mm. or a human brain point of view. And I think that's very useful for anyone because no one is fully rational. So um, I really, really enjoyed it. And it's one of the top ones that I recommend to people as well. Yeah. And I've since been like sometimes reading his blog and he's just such a great writer. And I'm like, mm. oh, this is good. <laughs> Nico, read this. <laughs> How good is Morgan yeah. Housel as a writer? It's amazing. <laughs> Well, for me, that was my number one, just jumping ahead. Uh, yeah. It was just a really good, I think it's the one that I'd probably want to reread the most out of this whole mm. series that I would just happily like review each year and be like, oh, where have I messed up? What am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? Mm. Kind of thing. And it's because it's, when you say that book's title, it's hard for me to give any specific piece of advice from it. But when someone's doing something, I'll quote something from the book without realizing that it's even that book that I'm quoting. Mm. And... um yeah, it's got lots of really good take-home advice that I kind of want to drill into my head even more so. So yeah, it was just just yeah. an epically good book. Um, <laughs> so so um, we we had swapped number one and number two because yeah, my number one is, the, is the Valmanac. Yeah. yeah, as I said during our episode on the Valmanac, if I could give one book to my eighteen-year-old self, it'd probably be this. Mm. And I guess the only bad thing I can say about the book is that it's it would probably be even better is if it was wrote out by a very good author writer yeah because it's a lot of very short bullet points because a lot of it is distilled from either tweets or just conversations and all the knowledge in that book it would literally be like an encyclopedia of how to live a good life almost mm. anyway super useful i love naval every time he's saying something i'm like i need to listen to this because that guy's is i consider him the smartest person that i know or no the wisest person that i know not the smartest yeah which is uh obviously about this podcast all about i think um morgan housel went into the sort of top leagues for me also mm -hmm. but yeah naval is killing it in terms of life happiness <laughs> wealth creation <laughs> and um, yeah, totally. being a chilled out dude that doesn't seem to try too hard to get attention but gets lots if that makes sense mm, you see other people totally. are kind of like trying to put stuff everywhere all the time and you're like yeah you could do less but like achieve more yes absolutely so maybe we should also shout out Taleb. Yeah. It's not right to do it just after our number one, but... Mm, but definitely, we didn't review any of Taleb's books in the series because we've done a whole series on his books. Mm -hmm. But any of them could have been in this series. You could almost just go and yes. pin that whole series onto the end of this series, for example. And especially, I think, Anti-Fragile kind of mm -hmm. comes up in basically any kind of thought around life and especially wealth creation and understanding the variance in what's coming in the future and being sort of stacked with the odds in your favor either way is mm. um, massively good strategy and that's still fundamentally underpinning what my investing strategy is a lot at this point in time if like I definitely have kind of a third of the barbell of okay this is safe whatever happens and then the other two thirds in like okay risky stuff at the moment because I'm 30 and I'd rather potentially have lots of money than slightly more and some of that is risky in a way that like it'll go up if there's a crash <laughs> and some of it is risky in a way that like, it's just stuff that's startups and risky can you describe what assets you own that will go up when there's a crash so i have things that are basically i'm expecting stuff to go down a lot so i'm just gonna buy it when it's super low so technically doesn't go up when it's a crash actually i am not shorting things that much there's a few things that I've done in crypto stuff that I've shorted before to not really doing at the moment. Although having just watched the big short last night, I'm like, yeah, I really want to get into shorting more so. 
and mm, interesting. don't really know how to call Morgan Stanley or bags and stuff and go into those things. But I feel like I'm a bit more... I always keep some sort of something ready for it just being super low because there's just stuff always kind of goes down like that. That makes sense. So perhaps mm-hmm. I'm lying to myself and I'm not quite into the Black Swan event, going to make lots of money when everything goes down. Mm. But in general, when the stock market does go down, I've definitely ready to buy when everyone's panicking, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. So kind of good, but not quite perfect. <laughs> yeah. Work in progress. So are you recording this in early February? Does that mean, Sam, that you're now on the lookout for um, some good buys? Yes. Hmm. And where? In the stock market? or? Yeah, stock market, anywhere. I mean, I mm-hmm. feel like maybe startups would do a bit of a crash. Like valuations are pretty silly, and just the amount of them is also a bit nuts. And mm. investors are definitely throwing more money at things that just seem like safe bets without properly, properly due diligencing them sometimes. And I think there's stuff that is not being so valued that you can get like really good returns on, but it's quite risky. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm trying to diversify in those areas. Mm-hmm. All right. Now let's maybe talk about our general thoughts and learnings on investing. I have noted down my whole own thesis and philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, curious to get your general thoughts as well. Cool. Do you want to start? Or do you want me to just give some general thoughts? I I can start and you, you can maybe pick in okay. where, where, where you want. So first of all, I think talking about investing, I found it sometimes quite difficult with some people because some people are like you know always that talk about money i don't want to talk about this this is yeah it's not important and it's very too capitalistic yeah and so in general my thoughts around this is i think everyone who lives in a capitalist country should be thinking about this even if you live in a western or northern europe country where you'll have a great pension i was having drinks with a friend the other day and he's working as a teacher and he was saying like you know, this moves forward, I'm going to be paid 2,500 euros per month when I retire, which is in like 35 years or something. Mm. And I was like, you know, that's nothing. In 35 years, 2,500 euros with the current inflation is going to be peanuts. And so I've talked uh, to him about this as well. It's like, you should really be thinking that that's probably going to be like minimum wage, barely at that point in time. Yeah, that's probably. It's like (laughs) 1,500. Well, pounds is like intern minimum wage and yeah. just enough and yeah 30 years that's going to be yeah <laughs> really really low especially if we go yeah, through like exactly. a proper period of inflation inflation yeah which is already happening mm. so anyway i think everyone should absolutely think about investing i personally really like talking about it some people don't mm. but avoiding it i think is dangerous and it's i would almost say short-sighted because you're going to be confronted in the future with the money slash investment decisions that you make today. Oh, yeah. I mean, I largely agree with you. And some people are kind of like, oh, you're ruining the <laughs> ability to just kind of enjoy yourself and think about life. But it's like, well, I'm going to enjoy myself now in a way that I'm also aware that I'm going to be able to enjoy myself in the future and have like a continued level of being happy, mm-hmm. which is kind of sensible. And there's some stuff that isn't really a big sacrifice that can massively change your future so yeah worth doing yeah and then my next point with that is for me every money decision that you make today or in general is an investment decision and so a lot of people are like 
that I know, you know, they've been working, you know, for five years, something like that. And they're saving money, right? And they mm -hmm. have like a bank account with, let's say, you know, maybe like eight to 10 months worth of wages stored in the savings account. And they're like, yeah, no, I don't want to think about investing yet. That's something from later. And I'm starting to explore it. And so I believe that having money on a savings account is also an investment decision. And so basically yeah. for me, an investment decision is basically capital allocation. Where do you, right? And this brings us back to our very first episode where I tried to, to make the point that where you have the value stored from the value that you produced is an investment decision. And having that in cash or in fiat is also an investment decision and likely on the long term, probably one of the worst investment decisions you can actually make. Yeah, definitely. And I also like to think a bit holistic, if that's the right word, around also investing in yourself and your skills and thinking mm. about what you want to be doing going forwards and how enjoyable it will be, how much energy you'll have to do it, how much money you'll be able to make from it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I haven't earned that much money in the last few years because I've been running a startup which could turn out like a huge payout, could be completely tits up, but I'm also learning loads the whole time and um, mm -hmm. I just had a call yesterday with a friend who's been running a business for 20 years who came to me for some, some advice on stuff on more like just like some product feedback and I ended up giving him like shit loads of business advice that I wasn't expecting and he was like oh damn I hadn't thought about that and I'm like whoa I just I know lots <laughs> like this was cool so um it's awesome I can definitely get like a job that I do enjoy and pays me lots of money if I need to and have kind of mm -hmm. like covered some of my bases on those things. And that's cool. That was like a worthwhile investment, even though I haven't necessarily been able to throw lots of money at things. But I'm also at a point mm -hmm. where I earned okay before that and have some investments sort of growing and things. So just working out where you are, are at in terms of money and time and knowledge and allocating correctly across all of them, I think is good. And mm -hmm. not just bank account, whether it's in a savings account or a different yes. form of investing vehicle or if you're spending it on cars or whatever mm -hmm. yeah totally i think investing in your future earning potential is also an investment right mm. and i think here maybe let me make the next points that i have on my list because i've written down a few bullet points and for me also all investments are broadly equal on the risk reward spectrum which means that if an investment has the potential to go up in value more or bring you more reward or return that also means that that investment is more risky. Mm. And basically, the more potential reward an investment brings, the more people will want it, the more the price will go up. And so in the end, everything is very broadly balanced out. And the only way that I would recommend people to do active investing is when they believe they have an edge and they can spot mistakes in the risk-rewards calculations made mm. by the general consensus to give you a practical example for me lots of stuff within the cryptocurrency world is priced at a certain way some of them is priced super high some of them are priced super low and so what i see in the world today so i'm very active within that space and i believe that the world is not pricing these things enough so i've said before like i believe that within 10 years i'll be able to buy a house like a very nice house with one bitcoin not financial advice, by the way. And so I believe that the world is pricing Bitcoin wrong. And so that's why I have a relatively high part of my net worth allocated there. This just because I, from with the knowledge that I have, I believe that the that is priced wrongly. 
And so for the people who don't feel like they have an edge in anything, I'd be very careful in trying to be actively investing and making these decisions that are yeah, you like know, away from the norm. Buying or selling different things and trying to be smart. Definitely just do a bit more of a spectrum of different things, have different allocations and kind of let the market do its things. Well, I sort of agree with you on, on the general Bitcoin, but as in you are deeper, much more in cryptocurrencies as well. As like You've just been fascinated by it um, mm-hmm. for the last few years and now work for a VC that's just investing in blockchain areas. So you see mm-hmm. lots of different opportunities and understand more of which ones are silly or not. Because like, by the time everyone knows about like something that's going to be big or something like Solana, if you invest now, it's not the same as a year ago when there's been like a thousand X returns. But I would say I have something similar around startups because I'm just around so many mm. other forms of startups. I kind of can see which ones are like, okay, this person's brilliant. The idea is brilliant there's a few edges that they need to round off and how they tell the story or what they're going to prove. But I fundamentally believe they're going to be able to do this and um, you can get it pretty early <laughs> and it's not available on the market. You can't see anything about it because they haven't had time to put it onto a crowd cube or do stuff. So again, you can kind of get an early if you surround yourself with startups and helping people create businesses. Totally. Add on top of that, I think you make a, made a key point there. Access is really important as well. Yeah, yeah, so network. my general point was, right, that the price of something that gives you a return basically illustrates the consensus by all of the people investing. Mm. And if they believe that the reward will go up, they'll be willing to put more money in. But that assumes that everyone has the same access to the same things. So basically, if you have access to something that a significant part of people who invest don't have access to, there is also a way to get an edge, so to say. Mm. So for example, if you know like an entrepreneur personally and he or she's willing to allocate you like an angel ticket or something, that could be a way in which you, by investing a small amount of money, like have an edge or like gain a, way, a really high return, if that makes sense. Similarly, if you understand the crypto space, if you have an Ethereum wallet, and if you're able to partake in decentralized exchanges, there's still not even, I think, 5% of people own a wallet and know how to trade on Uniswap or SushiSwap, for example. Yeah, yeah. And so that means that a lot of people don't look at it as something investable. And so that means that perhaps there is also something like an edge to be gained there because you have more access than a lot of other people. Yeah, for sure. But also, there's certainly potential to <laughs> think you've learned something quickly and then actually be like massively under, you know, the whole curve of enlightenment or something. So it goes up super fast and you think you're like, yeah. you know what you're doing. And then actually there's like the big cliff of where you actually turn out you didn't know what you're doing before you eventually get educated. So like, wouldn't run onto sushi swap and just start swapping random things and be like, this one maybe yeah. is going up. Definitely, yeah, read into lots of things and fundamentals of anything mm-hmm. you're going to be uh, investing in. And um yeah, <laughs> don't get too excited. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Even though it is easier to get an edge, but it's um, there are lots yeah, of people that are like yeah, super true. deep on it that have more edges than you. And certainly in like cryptocurrency, there's lots of stuff that's sort of people who know each other or in like private discords that you can't really see about in Wales mm-hmm. and things. All this kind of stuff that does affect early stage things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And so for me in general, I think your broad investment strategy will depend on your situation as an individual. Mm. And so one is. Do you have access to certain types of deals? Do you have an edge to certain types of deals that other people don't have? What is your age? I think depending on your age, you can also, like you should take more or less risky bets. Yeah. In general, the younger you are, the riskier you can you can make bets. And the older you are, the more conservative you need to be because your goals change, I guess. And this is then 
the other point that also depends on you as a person, like what are your goals? Because a lot of people, like they have like a stable job and they're quite certain that they'll be able to do that job until retirement. And the only reason for them to invest would be to make sure that they have enough income at retirement to continue their current lifestyle. That is one type of goal. And that is for a lot of people that I see what their goals are. For me personally, and I think for you, Sam, probably as well, like, my goals are different. For me, I want to be financially independent as fast as possible. So mm. I want to be able to have a income that doesn't necessarily have to be stable, but where I'm fairly certain that I can live off so that I can then do whatever I want, which will likely also include things that actually bring money, right? Yeah. You're still going to have a job and do something that, that gives yeah, you money, yeah. but you're not limited in any way, which is also what I learned from the Psychology of Money book. Like Definitely. freedom is way more important than you think. Yeah, and I think there's levels to it. I think we're both past the first level of freedom, if that makes sense. As in, mm. like I was talking to my ex-business partner who um, didn't have any money when we started our startup and he was way more stressed the whole time than I was. Mm. And he was like, my time can still be bought. He like, If someone offers him a good amount of money for something, he will just go and do it. Whereas like, mm -hmm. He's like, Sam, I can't get you to do anything by paying you. And I'm like, yeah, I, <laughs> if it's boring, I will not do it. Or if it doesn't nope. make me interested, yeah. I only work on things that sort of excite me. And that's nice. And I definitely reached that when I was like 25. Of, I was like, okay, I'm not crazy rich, but I have enough money to not worry for a year uh, or mm -hmm. whatever. And like, I only did things that interested me, which is often just learning. And then sometimes I do something that had a good payout and then we'd do something else that was just learning for a while and it's been really mm -hmm. nice and because mm -hmm. then you're like saying okay i want to be financially independent I'm like okay well you're like definitely only been doing things that were fun for you for the last two years and um a lot of those are things that do make money to be fair but yeah i think you're in a, in a pretty nice independent at least the first level stage that's it you don't have like five houses yet and you can't just sort of go on holiday wherever you feel like it and maybe worry about what the price of a first class ticket or something is but um yeah yeah not private jet independent yet mm. but um definitely like me and my wife we still live almost like students like we don't go out for food just because we enjoy cooking and then like most of our money actually goes to the cooking and we, nice. we don't have a lot of other expenses and so yeah keeping your expenses low i think is one of the biggest best things you could probably do for mm. investments ironically yeah definitely so as in like i still yeah, same as you, I don't spend a lot of money on most things, which does give me more independence with what I do otherwise with my time. And if I had mm -hmm. millions, like I might be a little bit different with how I spend things and would yeah. I think I would spend more money on headspace and stuff, I guess. Mm. And like interesting. Because I already don't do things like I do I won't take a flight first thing in the morning because I know I won't have a good night's sleep because of it worries me that I have to get up for like a thing. Like, even yeah. if it's sort of like I have to be awake at 8 a.m., I'll wake up too early and I just have a shit night's sleep. Whereas I'll usually wake up at 8 a.m. anyway, but I have to be somewhere. <laughs> like it stresses me out. And then have the rest of the day, I'll be tired. I won't get much work done. I will be less nice and I will just be in a bad state. So like, I'm already at the point where I will pay 50 quid for a flight later in the day as opposed to first thing. Mm -hmm. But if I'm going to like Fort Ventura for the month, then I'm definitely not buying the nicest villa because it's like 500 pounds more expensive than like a different place. So I'm like, maybe I have to walk further and it's a bit more stressful or whatever, but like, I'm sure I'm going to have fun. So I'm not too worried about it. Like I don't need to spend extra money on stuff mm -hmm. too much. Yeah, yeah totally. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good. Now, I think we're going a little bit too deep on tangents. I'm not sure. No, no. I think these things are important. Yeah. For me, like one of the key learnings I also took away from this whole series, which is kind of like a different tangent, is the power of compounding yeah. and how important it is. And not only investing, but also in life. So being patient and letting things compound is so important. And taking up too much risk because you're impatient, which is what I see a lot of people doing these days. Like that's a mistake I think that most people make. And for me, like an easy parallel could be drawn with CrossFit. So I'm I'm a CrossFit coach and I see this in myself. If I like have ambitious short-term goals, I'm going to push myself too hard and I'm going to get injured. Yeah. And so the trick is to just say like, look, I'm not going to have like ambitious short-term goals, which is counterintuitive because a lot of people are like, if you don't have goals, if you're not working towards something, you're not going to achieve it. For me, like I'm literally doing it. I enjoy the process. And I know that every time I go, I'm just getting like 0.1% fitter. And that's everything I need. And I'm super patient. And I know that at this point, I won't hurt myself. And in five years, I'll be feeling amazing. And I think the same is true with investing in general. I think a lot of people want to get, like, make a lot of money. Like, they start with 2,000, you know, euros or pounds, and they're like, wait, how can I turn this into a million? And they start taking super risky bets. And that is, for me at least, like, a very, very bad strategy. Yeah, yeah. My people that kind of get into crypto being like, cool, it's only goes up, so I'll just put, like, lots of money and then, like, lose their money and then panic and take it out and then have just, all they've done is lost money. When, Mm -hmm. yeah, you just leave it. Probably okay. (laughs) If you broadly invest in a space that's growing, I feel like the biggest mistake you can do is to sell. Yeah. There's so many people I know that are like, I bought Ethereum at like $5 or something, and now it's worth like 3000 something crazy like that, but I sold it when it got to 12 Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I just made two and a half times my money. That's insane. But yeah, they would have been rich now. Yeah. If they just hadn't sold. Definitely. That's I've funny. sometimes been too lazy to sell, by the way, which has yeah. made me a lot of money. <laughs> nice. That's yeah. good. Like the, was it Kanye or something? You had like an album like sort of 10 years ago that you could buy a Bitcoin or something and you'd forgotten about it. Or now it's 50 Cent. I think one of his albums was like you could buy it with Bitcoin. Yeah. You kind of forgot yeah, about yeah. it and he right. had like a few millions of Bitcoin. Because I mean, not that many people actually bought his album with Bitcoin back then. But still, yeah. he was like, shit, this is the best investment I've made. It was something I forgot about. Yeah. Yeah, so true. Yeah. And compounding is key in general in life, but also in, um, primarily in investing and so don't stop it prematurely be patient and then this is what i took away from the psychology of money don't try to avoid downturns mm. downturns are the price you pay for being invested and it is not a fine that you pay for making a wrong decision and i think if you can put that in your head i think you'll do a good job investing basically yeah definitely and stuff's going to go up and down and it may not go down, so you don't want to try and just like time it or whatever. You just mm. accept that a lot of the things that you have will go down a bit on this journey of going up, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. And don't panic and sell everything just as it starts to go down, etc. Exactly. So if you're young, and when I say young, I mean like sub 35, like if people ask me like, what should I do with my money? In general, I say like, you make sure that you have a safety net. You like have, a, let's say a half a year's or maybe a year's worth of cash on hand or expenses in cash. So if you lose your job, you're not in a problem. And then everything on top of that, you decide very broadly how are you going to distribute 
or how you want to invest. And so that could be a majority in the global stock markets and maybe a bit in crypto and maybe, you know, some other things you like. Maybe you're a big fan of Europe or something and you, you allocate a bit more there. And then just every month, every time you get your paycheck, just invest the part that you're willing to invest and just do that for years and you'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. And don't get excited by things that guarantee to make you rich really fast. Like people that will sell you a course to flip a house or something. Yes. Marketing scams. They're making money on you. Yeah. <laughs> They're not making money from flipping houses. So definitely. Yeah. Any other things that we haven't read or covered that you think would be good? Because I was going to say, I just watched The Big Short last night and it's like, that's actually a really good movie around like how the world works and sort of investing in things. And I would definitely recommend people watch that if they're interested a bit. Because um, maybe they watched it five, ten years mm. ago when it came out. And if they're thinking more about money and investing now, it's really worth a rewatch. Mm. So that's a big tip for me. So my thoughts on shorting in general, and basically I have made a promise to myself, I think I've already said this, I promised myself I would never use any leverage yeah. at all. Just for peace of mind. And it's also a reason why I think I would never short anything either. And so the reason why I would not or will not short anything is because when you're shorting, you're essentially renting an asset and you're selling that asset. And then at a certain point, you have to buy that asset back to give it back because you rented it to the person who rented it to you, basically. That's shorting. Maybe I've, I've, I didn't do a good job explaining that, but you can look it up. It's not rocket science. But the problem is, if you invest in a stock, let's say you invest 100 euros in a stock or $100 in a stock, you know what your downside is, right? Mm. If that stock goes to zero, you lost $100. When you're shorting, a stock can either go to zero, but it, it has infinite upside, if that makes sense. And so that's what we've seen with GameStop, for example. The companies that had shorted GameStop by then, their risk was enormous. Yeah. Like enormous. They had like a few hundred million they could make, but they lost billions on that trade. And so that's why I'm always wary of either taking leverage because your leverage yeah, increases yeah. your potential exposure hugely. And same with shorting. I think, you know, in general with leverage and shorting, there's this saying, and I don't know who said it, but the markets can stay irrational longer than you can stay liquid. Mm. Which means that if you're short a company because you know it's a fraud and you know it's going to go to zero, and even if you're 100% sure, it doesn't really matter whether it is a fraud. It matters what the price of the stock is. And the price of the stock is something you cannot predict. Yeah. And you might know it goes to zero, but it could take a few more years. And at that point, mm. you might have lost everything. And it could do a GameStop, right? GameStop, I think, you know, still doesn't have a lot of chance to make it in the long term. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. yeah anyway. It's still like the price is like still 10 times as high as it was two years yeah, ago. Yeah, I mean, it's had a lot of publicity to so people will be going more often, but it's, uh, it's yeah. not quite correctly priced. Yeah. And well, yeah, the big short movie that is in the stress that the people go through that do short the housing market because they're shorting these like CDOs and instruments that are then the price is being manipulated actually by the people controlling them and didn't represent their actual value at all in the first place. Mm -hmm. So even though the housing market was starting to go down, all their investors, et cetera, were like, what the fuck are you doing? These things are still going up in value and mm -hmm. massively unhappy place for them the whole time. But they were in a very different sort of situation to like the average person around like their insight on the market that we spoke about. And I was less recommending that as a watch this movie and you'll start shorting things and more as a just education on economics and mm. <laughs> a fun story and how different things work and sort of history 
big things that happen and maybe just get like a deeper understanding yeah of that. no i agree i think you're right and in the end i think shorting is probably again something i would only do if i had like a massive edge yeah, yeah um 100%. so again don't short if if it's not your job almost i would say yeah yeah, yeah. good one more that i i'd like to mention i think it's almost like a life philosophy yeah but in general it is think positive sum and it's also in in with with like investing and where to put your money and efforts and so one of the reasons why i don't uh, maybe because we haven't touched upon trading versus investing yet mm. but i don't trade i don't consider myself a trader i look at prices but i don't like day trade and so one of the reasons is that day trading is a negative sum game or a zero sum game right if you're making money day trading, there's someone else losing money day trading. While investing, if you're just buying and holding in something that creates value in the world, then that is a positive sum game, let's say. And so in general, think about what you're investing in. Is it you know creating value to the world? Is it adding value to the world? Is value being created? And if that's the case, I consider it a good investment. If something is not creating value, not adding value to the world, and is a positive or is a zero or negative sum game, I in general try to stay away from it. And I think this is similar to choosing an industry to work in. If the industry you're working in is basically fighting other people for a fixed pie, and yeah. if the one who fights hardest gets a slightly larger slice of that pie, that's something I would avoid. And I would focus on industries that are just a tremendously growing pie. That's what I see in the crypto world today. Like within the crypto world, the pie is growing so much because there's so much value being added. The amount of money people get paid when they know how to code a bit of solidity, it's insane. It's crazy. And so working in a growing industry is insanely different. I have a friend who works in airline industry. Yeah. And the difference between his career and mine, it is night and day. Like he has to fight for everything he to do, like he has to fight for promotions. And for me, it's like... um okay at something and then you get like 100 job offers and please go yeah. I'll, I'll pay you please do it for me something like that yeah definitely it's very true try and play in big areas i did an interview with tim draper actually on wednesday really the That's famous really cool. billionaire and um yeah he was great but he, he spoke about like the qualities of people that he invested in like and first he was we went went later went into like the mindsets of the people but he sort of started with like well they just have to be playing in like a massively growing industry that sort of they're thinking 10 years ahead of where is this industry going to be and what's the difference. Mm -hmm. And that's how you end up investing in things like SpaceX and, and Tesla. And well, he invested in Hotmail and Skype and things that at the time seemed a bit like ridiculous and mm -hmm. um, then became like huge industry defining things that at the time weren't even an industry pretty much. And if you think about that for yourself, if you go into an industry that's definitely massively growing, it's much easier to get some skills that are in high demand. Whereas, as you said, like airline industry, if nothing's moving too much, you you're fighting to get any kind of promotion and things. Whereas it's just, there's so many jobs being created in crypto right now that if you know more than the average person, you're already an expert and you can do cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Totally, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so quit your job <laughs> because we said so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm like working in Web three right now. I highly recommend anyone I know, like whenever they're thinking about a, like a career switch, I'm like. This is the future of work. Like also like not having one job, but having like adding value or contributing to a lot of different projects that you just love and feel passionate about. Yeah. That's just the future. Definitely. Nice. I feel like we didn't talk about crypto too much in this episode, right? You, you didn't expect <laughs> yeah. that, right? You expected me to be like, oh yeah, if you don't put your money in crypto, you're not going to make it. And that's the only way to invest your money correctly. Did I uh, surprise you, Sam? No, it was okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. 
All right, then um, I guess that rounds up the episode. It was a good one. Series investing, important. Everyone should be thinking about this. We read a bunch of good books. Read those for sure. You know, you don't have to read the art book that we read, which is definitely at the bottom of the list of the best books of this yeah. season. Yeah, <laughs> never Maybe read that book. the best books on the pod. Don't, don't read it. That's it. So uh, I really hope you enjoyed this episode, but also this series as a whole. I hope you learned something. For our next series, we are diving into something completely different, more specifically the human brain. So the first one is Faster Than Normal. It's a book focused on ADHD. So it's uh, it's kind of talking about neurodivergence. And the second book is talking about, it's called Neurotribes, and it talks about autism. And so, yeah, it's uh, something completely different. Um, you know, keep following this this podcast wherever you listen to it to um, to maybe also listen to those. And if you want to read the book yourself and then, you know, listen to the episode even better. Mm. Right. So, um, yeah, with that, any last words, Sam? No, it was really good. Uh, may everybody become wiser and wealthier. And the next season is going to be great. I'm really excited to learn more about neurodiversity and how people's brains work. And yes, I think it helps you also understand yourself and become wiser and get better at things and mm -hmm. how to interact Maybe with Maybe even others. better at investing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With that, we're out and we look forward to speaking to you in the next season. Cheers. Winning. Ciao, ciao. Winning. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you heard, feel free to give us a rating and share with your friends. If you'd like to ask us a question or give us a comment, feel free to join us on Reason. Reason is Sam's startup that is building a social podcasting app. It is a place where Sam and I listen to podcasts and share ideas and insights. It'd be great if you would hang out with us there. Thanks again and speak to you in the next episode. Cheers.